thank you uh, for joining us for episode number 14 of Head Start. This is a weekly podcast to help Liberty's adult and student ministry life group leaders prepare for the upcoming lesson. So as we uh, typically do on the front end of our time together, we need to we want to try to get to know uh, each other a little more and so that our leaders can know uh, who's standing on the platform on any giving Sunday uh, bringing the message. Um, so here's the question uh, that we want to discuss uh, very quickly is what is the strangest food that you've ever eaten? Ever eaten. All right. So here we go. Who's first? Well, I, I guess I can go. Um I don't, mine's not going to be as weird as Tim's, I know. Um, I, I'm pretty sure, because it's been a long time ago, um, when Jenna and I went to Uganda and were there for a while, I'm pretty sure we had fried crickets mm-hmm. or ants, something like that, something yep. along those lines. Protein. I'm pretty Yay. sure that's yep. probably the weirdest thing that I can remember off the top of my well, head. Mine is the, the exact the same, except for we were in Oaxaca, Mexico, and um, they took us to the market, and there were sections of the market, and, you know, part was fruit and vegetables, and on the backside, uh, and as you got closer, you could smell the, the rankness in the air mm-hmm. that was where the meat was, and like there was no refrigeration there was just meat out there and in the back corner they had a pile of fried um uh, crickets and so the 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 locals had we had they talked to us and already told us about them and we had to eat one and so i popped that thing in my mouth i mean and when you pop it in it's been fried and it was it was okay right Uh, until you take that first little crunch and then the explosion Mm. one of those uh, baby tomatoes wasn't fried enough it wasn't fried enough (laughs) maybe that's why i don't really remember mine i'm blocking it out (laughs) it just exploded in my mouth i was like ah okay keep chewing chew in a hurry so add some hot sauce and all is good so uh uh, mine's a toss-up between um, Honduras and Ecuador. In Honduras, uh, it was a bug on a stick or fried guinea pig. And um, actually, the guinea pig was pretty good. Uh, but I would, uh, I, would go, um, uh, I would go with the cooked cow tongue uh, that, that we had, in, and uh, I wouldn't recommend it. Yes. Uh, I don't know that I got it down. I got it in my mouth, and uh, it just wouldn't go anywhere else but out. So uh, that uh, don't recommend the cow tongue. Well, we uh, continue. How do, how do you transition from <laughs> into Philippians 1, 18? Her death and life. <laughs> at, at that moment, uh, death might be gained. So, yeah. <laughs> Um, so this coming Sunday, uh, we'll be continuing the sermon series in Philippians. We'll be looking specifically at Philippians chapter one, verses eighteen through twenty-six. Uh, this will be Labor Day weekend, um, and it's a weekend that you know it's on the tail end of summer. Uh, we oftentimes see people travel uh, that last trip to the beach or maybe to the lake or whatever. And so my encouragement uh, is that um, hey, reach out to your groups and encourage them if they're in town. Let's be in church if they've got family that's coming to town uh, for Labor Day weekend, and, and have them bring their family to, to, to church and worship with us on Labor Day weekend. So 
Cal will be uh, walking us through this passage. So, um, Cal, I'm going to step out of the way. Yeah, well, um, as you come to perhaps um, in Philippians, uh, this section that we're going to be covering this week in Life Group and really through the sermon um, contains verse 21, which is probably the most well-known passage or verse in Philippians for good reason, Um, but there is a little context to it. And so um, at the end of verse 18, uh, Paul continues rejoicing. He's begun rejoicing that Christ is being proclaimed no matter what the motive is behind that. Um, And then you get into um, him continuing to rejoice, and but the reason for his rejoicing uh, shifts in verse 19. And, and what he's saying is, um, I know, Philippians, that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. He's um, considering uh, what the Philippians have done for him through their prayers, uh, which I think is really good for us to understand. Like Paul saw prayer as something that was actually effective. He wasn't saying, "Hey, I'm I'm rejoicing because you've sent, you've sent your thoughts to me." He, he's not saying, "I'm rejoicing because you've had." great considerations for me. Like, no, God has worked through your prayers and by the provision, the help of the Spirit, this this circumstance that I find myself in, uh, I, I'm going to be delivered from it. Now, how that deliverance is going to happen is still yet to be determined. Um, and so he says, hey, it's my eager expectation and hope that I will not at all be ashamed, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. So um, his overall concern in this moment is not to get out of jail. He's not concerned with getting back to freedom. He's concerned most uh, that Christ will be honored. That, that word honored is, is talking about he, he will be lifted up. He will be magnified. Um, and Paul is saying, like, I expect, like I'm rejoicing that I'm going to be delivered. And deliverance for me looks like whether I live or die, Christ is being magnified. That's what real salvation looks like for me, because that word deliverance there is actually the word for salvation. Like It's turning out for my good because my good is wrapped up in the glory of Christ. Um, And when he's magnified, I know that I'm taken care of, and I can have full courage to face no matter what. Um, And so he's saying my deliverance, my salvation, that might look like my life continued where it is. It might look like my death. But regardless, the most important thing is I I have full confidence God is going to be glorified. Christ is going to be glorified in my life. Um, Verse 21, for to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. There's that probably the most famous passage in all of Philippians. Um, And 
what he's saying there, he expounds on in verse 22. If I live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. He's been working for Christ. He's been magnifying Christ in his life. So to live is to continue to do the very thing that he's been created for and saved for. But to die, he gets to continue to do that and and actually be with the Lord. And so that's the gain there that he's experiencing or, or that he anticipates. And that that's a good challenge for every believer, just um, probably by default. Uh, when we think of death, uh, we, we put death in that category as life is over and maybe defeat, whereas Paul, uh, his attitude is it's all about Christ. Whether I live or whether I die, Christ be magnified, but he understood that he was kept by the power of God and that when he died, uh, whenever that might be under whatever circumstances, uh, that would be gained to him as a child of God. And it's just a, a reminder to us that for the child of God, uh, death is not defeat, but it is gain because then we are present with our Lord. We live life here on earth with the Lord, and uh, we live life... Um, in eternity in his presence. So there's a question that just encourage life group leaders to kind of lean into because um, uh, many people fear death or they might think death is defeat, but uh, why is this not the case for Paul? And if we're honest, um, you know, do we view death as gain in the same mindset that Paul had? And if not, uh, maybe what adjustments do we need to make in, in our thought process to really let that familiar verse, verse 21, to be a, a, a life verse for us. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is truly gain. Yeah. Well, in, and in verse 23, he's saying, hey, I'm having a really hard time to uh, you know, figure out and figuring out which one I really want in this moment or which one I'm really going to experience because um, I understand like if I die, I'm going to be with Christ and that's a wonderful thing. And that, that's actually better for me. Like I'd love to be there, but I also know that if I remain, it's going to be good for you Philippians. And so I'm kind of leaving it in God's hands at this moment, which when, to your point, Tim, um, thinking about our culture, we have on one side of the equation people who will do everything that they can to avoid death. Like, we will live the safest life, the most comfortable life. We don't want anything to do with, with, with death. We're going to avoid it at all costs. Then on the other side of the equation, we've got people who want to escape life because it's, it's very difficult. Right. There's a freedom that Paul is talking about here that because it's not about him, it's about Christ, he can go, hey, if I live, great. If I die, wonderful. Um, and, and so that freedom to be able to live that kind of way, I think, is what God wants for each of his children. Um, you know, if I keep you alive, son or daughter, like live, live for me. If I bring you home, don't fret. Don't fret. You're coming home with me. Like, so don't worry about these things. Live and live for my glory. And you think about that in light of our measures. One of our measures is talking about being a friend, right? And so you think of verse 22, if I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor labor for me. So as we think about our measures, one of the questions says is, as a friend, who needs to see your faith at work to encourage them toward a faithful spiritual life? 
So, you know, as we, hey, right now we're alive. So then we need to have that fruitful labor, that, that, uh, that active, uh, active faith that is present, not passive, uh, but that's active in our family, uh, in our community, where we work and, and where we live. So, yeah. That, that's really good. And, you know, Paul's example and, and, and our challenge through our measures uh, really poses a question that's, that's in our material uh, how likely are we to submit to God's will over our own desires? And so Paul, you know, wow. to live as Christ, die as gain, it's a win-win for him. That's a powerful mindset, but it's one that has surrendered to the authority of Christ in their life to live or to die, Christ be magnified. And, you know, how likely are we to have that mindset uh, today that says, God, my life is in your hands. And, uh, yeah, I'd love to stay. And here are the reasons I'd love to stay uh, live here on earth. But, Father, I'd, if, if your will is that my life be given for the cause of Christ, uh, then I surrender to that and, and pray that Christ be magnified. And, you know, it's a challenge to us. Are we willing to, in, even in our struggle, uh, to just say, Father, not my will be done, but yours. But if I'm here, I know I'm going to live for Christ. Mm-hmm. And if I die, I know I will see him face to face. And, and uh, there is freedom in that surrender that Paul demonstrates in this passage. That's such a powerful question. How likely are you to submit to God's will over your desires? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Depends on the day, I guess, right? It it does. Um, <laughs> yeah, a minute. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Wow. That's a life of surrender. Mm. Yep. Well, it seems that in verse 25, Paul has been told somehow by the Lord that uh, knowing that it's more necessary for the Philippians that he remain, that um, he will remain and continue with them uh, to see their progress and spiritual growth and to see their joy, which he says, you're going to have, you're going to, you're going to get to see the Lord, um, uh, deliver me, whatever that looks like. And you're going to have glory. Uh, you're, you're going to glorify God because of what you see in and through me during this time. So verse 26, so that in me, you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because Mm -hmm. of my coming to you again. So it's just this, this, um, somehow he knows that his deliverance, um, is going to bring to the Philippians a reason, a cause for them to look to Jesus and say, only, only you and, and all glory to you. And um, so thinking through even the people around us, um, when we see God work in their lives, when we see how he uses other people in our lives to bring us that spiritual growth and that spiritual joy, um, how often do we give glory to God for the work that he's doing in others' lives? Um, Because that's what the Philippians are going to be doing um, in verse 26. They Mm -hmm. see what God has done in Paul's life, and then they glorify Christ because of it. Um, It's a challenge to me and to all of us. uh, When you see God working in and through other people, uh, give glory to him. Um, You know, do you do that enough? All right. Well, um, I guess we should look really quick at our um, live it outs. 
uh, and give a just a, a picture of that as we get time get close to wrapping up. Thank you, Matt. The uh, live it out certainly is twofold in this passage, and these are the action steps we really want our leaders to uh, challenge uh, each of us with. Uh, the first one is this, compare your attitude toward life and death with Paul's. So throughout this passage, as we read his mindset and his attitude uh, to live as Christ and die as gain, uh, where are we uh, in that type of mindset? And follow up to that, what do you need to do differently so that you can glorify God with every moment you've been given, whether here on earth or we're face-to-face with Christ? And so uh, compare my attitude with that of the apostle in this passage. And if I need to make adjustments, what adjustments do I need to make so that my mindset can be more like Paul, that Christ be magnified in life on earth are through death and being with him face to face. And second is is about our gospel conversations and our praying for people uh, for their salvations. Uh, please, life group leaders, continue to fan that flame on a weekly basis of just keeping spiritual and gospel conversations on the radar for the people of God. But here's the challenge for the month as we begin September Uh, On Labor Day weekend, use this month to set up a time to share a meal with the person you've been praying for. This will give a chance to hear their story and possibly share yours. So uh, we're we're giving them a a month to say, hey, pray about uh, a time to set an appointment, schedule a meal with an individual that you've been praying for that they may know Christ. And uh, we know that uh, those more uh, personal, intimate conversations uh, tend to happen when we're casually enjoying a cup of coffee or a meal together. And so that's the challenge. Go to that next step and uh, not just praying for someone, but connecting and sharing that meal or cup of coffee with them. So that second live it out will be the same live it out each uh, Sunday during the month of September. Just that challenge to engage uh, and invite someone that you've been praying for uh, and to to have that spiritual conversation, to have that gospel conversation with them over a meal. So leaders, again, we just uh, encourage you uh, to touch base with your group this week. Uh, you know, knowing that this is Labor Day weekend, encouraging those that are in town to be present, so to be on campus on a day that we 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 oftentimes see people again out and enjoying that last little uh, time in the sun before uh, the fall starts getting closer. Uh, but encourage your group if they're in town to be at church on Sunday and uh, let's let's spend time worshiping together and walking through God's word. Thank you for joining us for this podcast and we will see you on Sunday.